0: Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. Good morning. Uh, For anybody that's new, I'm Pastor Matt. I'm the Connections pastor here uh, at Tower Hill Church. And if you're watching online for the first time, thank you so much for joining us. Or maybe you're still watching from home. Let us know you're there. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can fill out a Connect card online as well. Uh, But we just love that you're here with us uh, today. And so thank you so much, uh, for being here, I was a little nervous that I was going to get all of my excitement out. I've been really excited about what I'm going to talk about today, um, and so I was really nervous that I was going to get it all out in first service um, and then like, have nothing left in second service, I'm not going to lie, uh, but I think I'm a little bit more excited now than I was after first service, maybe it's because I like, got it all out, and now it's, I can get more of it out. Um, hey, anybody ever felt shame before? Like, Be honest, you ever felt shame? Right. So we've been doing a series called Focused um, and it's all about being focused. Uh, and so shame sometimes takes us away from being focused. Um, it, it, it stops us. And, you know, there, there's times that we feel shame over silly stuff. Uh, you know, for me, I can remember being a kid and uh, and I can I can remember, you know, my sister. I'm the oldest of four. And my sister looking at me and being like, is there any ice cream left in the fridge? And, and I was already wanting ice cream. Um, so so it doesn't count that I went and looked, and there was enough for one, maybe two people. Um, but I looked at her, and I said, no, there is no ice cream left. And then I ate it later. Uh, and I realized there was enough for two. Uh, shame doesn't count in that scenario, uh, even though... I felt it It gets worse uh, for those of you that aren't parents. For those of you that are, uh, it gets worse when you are a parent um, because your kids look at you and they're like, oh, are there any cookies left? And you're like, I was going to eat that cookie. Why would you have to ask me about it? Um, no, there are no cookies left. But then they come around the corner and you're eating the cookie. And they're like, daddy, you said there was none left. And I'm like, oh, child, <sighs> let's go to the store. Um, but we've all felt shame at some point in life. Um, and so I want to talk about a guy who, um, who honestly should feel shame. Uh, at least I would have felt shame. Um, I feel like it's one of the most Uh, under-discussed, but also one of the most powerful stories that you can find uh, in all of Scripture. Uh, And so for some of you that are parents, you may have children sitting in here that did not get registered in time for Kids Church. Uh, Forewarning as soon as I say uh, the name that we're going to talk about. Uh, So we're going to talk today about a guy named Hosea, right? And so in Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, it says this, uh, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute. So that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. And for some of you that are here for the first time, you're going, dear God, what did I just walk into? Um, but, but I'm going to be honest. This is one of the most powerful stories I think we have in all of scripture that doesn't get talked about very often. I think because it talks about prostitutes. Um, so we put this in context, too, is like Hosea was a prophet of God. Like the, the closest comparison we would have right now is, is, is a pastor. Um, so, so first, can I point this out? Like if all of a sudden God looked at me and was like, hey, go marry a prostitute. Yeah, exactly. The church would be like, what? I thought you were a pastor. Like, what are you doing? Um, but, but God wanted to paint a real picture here. Of his love for other people and paint a picture of his love for you and me see Hosea was speaking uh, somewhat prophetically in this moment because when it's talking about Israel we can look and say that it's talking about us and I'm going to say something that's a little offensive but it's truth and sometimes the gospel can be a little offensive we are Israel in this story we are the prostitute in this story and that's something that we don't often like to hear. See, in this time though, God was showing Israel, Israel was looking and they're like, listen, we're descendants of Abraham. We got it all together, bro. You can't tell us anything. He delivered us from 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 he delivered us from from Egypt. He's done so many great things. We've won so many great battles because we're the seed of Abraham. We have the blessing. We're the ones that have the promise. Like we're God's chosen people and God is legitimately looking at them and going, listen, you think you got it all together. You got it all wrong. How many times have you turned your back on me? You're nothing more than a prostitute. That, like that's some harsh words, right? Yeah, some of you are like, uh, "Man, is this over yet? But like, honestly, this is going to be one of the greatest pictures though, because in the midst of this is one of the most powerful things that we can ever point out, because... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you one of my favorite portions of scripture. Pastor Gary said this last Sunday and man it just re-sparked in me because this is that this, this, this place in Romans 5 is what really transformed me from somebody who beat themselves up so much and somebody who, 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 who could only think about my sin to somebody who realized what God really wanted in the relationship with me that God really wanted. In Romans 5, 6 through 8 it says this, when we were utterly helpless Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. See, the picture I see of that is Jesus hanging on a cross, and in that moment, he did not think about the potential of who you could become. He did not think about you as holy. He did not think about you as righteous. He did not think about about you as this good person. He thought about a broken, hurt person who is living in the depths of all despair, the person who does not have it all together, the person who's living in sin, the person who is living in a place that is completely broken, where a marriage has fallen apart, or where, where where something terrible has happened, and, and you're living in shame, and you're living in pain, and you're living in agony. And Jesus looked and said, that's the person that I'm dying for. I'm not dying for the upright person. I'm dying for the person that is absolutely lost and broken and in absolute darkness and couldn't tell you which way is out. That's the person that I'm dying for. See, there is hope that is found in this message. There is hope in us being somebody that is lost and broken because Jesus died for that. So you, this is going to be point one. If you want a three-point sermon, here's point one. Point one is, is that, there, that God's love is so deep for you. That it doesn't matter what your past situation is. You can't look and say, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what's happened in my life. There is no sin that is too great for God to forgive. The Bible says that where sin is, grace abounds more. It doesn't matter. Grace abounds. Grace can cover all of it. Jesus' mercy covers all of it. He died for who you were, not who you could become. And that's something that as I realized that, and as I grabbed a hold of that in my own life, it changed me. Just like it changed. The lady's name's Gomer, Jose's wife, by the way. He does go marry her. He goes and finds her, which another thing, like where did he find that? Like where did he find her? Like, let's be honest. He's going to marry a lady of the night. Where'd he find her? Right? And by all accounts, she should have been stoned by the law that they lived under. She should have been stoned to death. But God looks and says, go marry her. Go marry her, Hosea. So he does. He goes and he finds her, marries her. They wind up having three children. And I'm like, I'm skipping over a ton, right? I'm preaching on like the first three chapters of Hosea right now um, and, and going through the story eh <laughs> eh and we could take six months and talk about this like we could talk about the meaning behind the names and how this is actually like prophecy for Gentiles and a smack in the face to Jewish people to some extent um that God was actually delivering like there is so much depth here that we could actually get into and so like if you want an interesting read and study study the book of Hosea because it's oh yeah you get into the kids names and their meaning and all that so they have three kids right um we're we're just gonna leave it at that and this is what I found interesting and I never actually fully thought about because if you if you know this story, you think that this happens within like a, a short time period, but they have three kids, and the Bible says that all of them were weaned in other words, all of them went from from feeding from mom to being able to uh to to eat solid foods right so so fast forward six to seven years later, right and if you know the story uh, and you're already ahead of me, that might have just like blown your mind a little bit like whoa I didn't think about it being that actually that long because here's what happens Gomer leaves she leaves and she goes right back to what she was doing before Hosea married her this is going to be point number two that we're going to get to here in a second is that maybe just maybe you're kind of like Gomer in that you know who God is, but something has happened that has thrown you off. Something has happened in your relationship with him that, that, that you've start kind of started to pull away a little bit, right? Maybe it's very simple. Maybe it's you've been reading your Bible, but man, like, you're not getting as much out of it as like when you first started reading your Bible, like when you first became a Christian and it was like everything you read was like mind blowing and like you just sat there crying every time you read your Bible and now it's like you don't feel that same way. You're not getting the same thing every single time you read it and like you're starting to get a little frustrated Um, or maybe it's like you're praying and it feels like you're just beating a brick wall or it feels like you're just praying the same thing over and over again for the umpteenth time and you're like, oh my goodness, Like, this is getting monotonous. But I'm the only one that's ever been there, right? Okay, just checking. If you laughed, it means you've been there before because you're like, I'm there right now. Um, But maybe you've been there. And and, 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 and I'm going to tell you this. The answer is not going back to what you were doing before so that you can try and get that feeling all over again. The answer is to continue in what you're doing. And if you're looking and saying, you know what, that could never happen to me. Woo! Those are dangerous words. Most dangerous words you could ever say. That could never happen to me. Like you don't understand. I've been following God for 25 years. Like I serve on a team and and I am in a connect group and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. It could never happen to me. Watch out. Watch out. Because it can happen to any of us that have not put the right safeguards in place and have put, put, put like the confidence in ourselves and not back in who he is. Now, being a part of a connect group, great answer. And if I didn't say that, I'd get fired. Um, Being a part of a connect group is a great answer and it is a good place to be. If you are being open and honest with the people in your connect group with you, you're doing life together, like that is a great place to grow and to put some barriers in place that will keep you and will hold you and that's a good starting point, right? But it's very important that we do those things and so the story doesn't end there. It's not like she left and Jose is like, all right, well, God, I tried, sorry, God, guess uh, that plan just wasn't the best one. In Hosea 3, 1, the Lord said to me, go again. Love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery. Go again, Hosea. Go get her. Don't leave your wife. Don't abandon her. Go get her, Hosea. Go after her. Pursue her. Just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who took, who looked to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans, who love being comfortable, right? Who love having good things, who love making sure that their needs are met and that they're taken care of. Just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel. Go get her. Man, what did that look like? Right? Like I said before, where did he go find her? This time, where did he go find her? Because she was up on an auction block somewhere, chained and back in slavery, back into a worse place than when she first started. And Hosea went and he found her. He went to that place where no good man of God should go, where nobody wanted to go, because it wasn't happening in the town square. It wasn't happening. You know, this auction isn't just happening out in the midst of everybody. What they were doing is highly illegal back then, Uh, and, and it's happening in some back dark alley where there is a dank smell and where there is just a a feeling of brokenness and emptiness and where you can just see that there is so much like evil going on. And yet this is where Hosea goes and he finds her. Man, what did Gomer feel like standing up on that pedestal? Your husband came to buy you back. To buy you back in Hosea 3, 2, it says, so I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. She already belonged to him, but he went and he bought her back. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then man falls in line. We are the creation. We belong to him. And yet 2,000 years ago, he looked and he said, I've got to buy my creation back. I've got to get them back. And so he sent a savior that could hang on a cross, that could pay a price that we could never pay. Because he looked and he said, no, the story's not over. It's not done. It didn't work the right way the first time because they fell and they walked away from me. But here's what's going to happen. I'm going to buy them back. And so in the beginning, God looked and he said, I don't care the price. It's going to cost me the death of my son. I'll pay it. And you see Hosea doing the exact same thing. I'm sure he walked up and he said, how much to buy her? See, I'm her husband. And everybody's looking at him like, what? I'm her husband. I don't care what the price is. I'll pay pay whatever it is. How much is it going to cost to buy her back? How much is it going to cost to to bring her down from that place? And in humility, he paid the price. Man. See, here's the the other thing I want to tell you. Maybe you've been in a relationship with Christ and maybe you've started to walk away a little bit. Maybe it's kind of gotten stagnant. Maybe it's kind of gotten a little stale and maybe you kind of have gotten back to a place where you feel like you're back up on an auction block and you you're standing there chained and naked and and ashamed and you're feeling like everybody around you can see right through you and you're feeling like man if everybody only knew it looks good on the outside but man inside it is broken and inside it is hurting and inside there is some pain going on here and if if only everybody could see and if only everybody can know, what would they say? And there's Jesus standing there going, I don't care the price, I'll buy you back. Come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. Because it doesn't end there. It goes on and in verse 3 it says this. It says, Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even me. Every man there was there to buy her, to use her. Hosea was there to her to heal her Jesus wants a relationship with you because he wants to heal you he wants to take your soul he wants to take your hurts he wants to take your pains and he wants to allow you to find healing and find rest and comfort in him because here's what I'm going to tell you hell is real and if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ you are headed to hell And I know that sounds harsh, but let's be honest and let's, like the gospel is meant to be offensive. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you are on your way to hell. It's truth. It's hard truth, but it's truth. But the reason I say that is because it's just like me as a father. If I see my child is headed towards a hot stove to touch it, I'm going to yell at them because they're about to burn themselves. They're about to hurt themselves. They're about to do something that is detrimental to them. And I don't say it because I'm angry at them. I don't say it because I'm judging what they're about to do. I say it because I love them. See, I tell you that if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're headed to hell, not because I'm judging you and not because I think you're a bad person, but because I see the destruction that that, that you're headed towards and I love you enough to say, don't do that. You've never met me. How can you love me? Because Jesus loves you. Right? Uh, Like, that's it. And that's the great part of this is that Now Hosea, in this verse, starts to transition from talking about his wife to now he starts to speak prophetically. And he says, this shows that Israel will go a long time without a king or prince and without sacrifices, sacred pillars, priests, or even idols. Whoop. There we go. But afterward, the people will return and devote themselves to the Lord, their God, and to David's descendant, that means Jesus, their king. In the last days, they will tremble in awe of the Lord and of his goodness. See, th- in the past, they trembled in fear out of God, out of a terror of who God was. And now they, t- they tremble at who God is of his goodness. The Bible says that, that it is Jesus' kindness that calls us to repentance, And sometimes we lose sight of that. We think about his judgment. We don't think about his kindness and his goodness that is calling us and drawing us to repentance. Just like Hosea went after Gomer. Jesus is looking and saying, I want to bring you healing. I want to bring you restoration. I want to bring you life. I want to bring you hope. I want to bring you all of these good things. Because you're headed for hell. You need a relationship with me to keep you from going there. So maybe you've been following Jesus for a while, everything's got kind of stagnant, and you're looking and you're like, man, you know, it's gotten a little stale. Jesus wants a relationship with you. It doesn't matter how far away you feel from him. All you have to do is just be there because he is calling for you. He is longing for you. He is pursuing you. He has hope for you. He has a relationship for you that he wants. He wants you. Pastor Matt, that's all well and good. But... You know, I've been following Jesus for a while. I'm doing, I am doing pretty good. Maybe you really are. Maybe you're like, you're doing good. You have those safeguards in place, all of that. It's like, well, where do I go from here? Here's the thing. If you've been following Christ for any period of time, your job is to be Hosea now. Not Hosea in the sense that you're going to be the one that gives love, but Hosea in the sense that you're pursuing lost, broken people. You're pursuing people that don't know Jesus and you're showing them the goodness and the kindness and the grace of God that can lead them to repentance, that can bring them to the gospel, the truth of the gospel. That is our calling. In Mark 10:41, it says, "When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, James and John had said, like, "Hey, Jesus, can we ask you a question?" Um, you know, we've been doing like a good job serving. like, it. Jesus can." Hey, we've been doing like a great job serving you, um, not like these other guys. Um, we we've been we like we've been feeding the hungry. We've been we've been working on Saturday mornings in food ministry, um, and we've been going to a Connect group, and we've been we've been serving some people really well, and like we've been reading our Bible every day. Not only that, like we're doing side devotions. Like we're doing good. Jesus, let's, let's be honest, right? We're doing good enough that like, I can sit at your right hand and he can sit at your left hand when we get to heaven, right? Like, like, we, can, like we can be those guys, right? And all the other disciples here, what they ask, they're like, dude, why are you trying to throw me under the bus? Like we've been doing the exact same thing right next to you. So they become indignant. And really they're saying like, Jesus, We've been doing everything. Like, shouldn't we be getting some credit? Shouldn't we be getting like some, shouldn't we be getting this? Like, come on, Jesus. You promised us all these things. Like, come on, give us what we deserve. And in Mark ten forty two, Jesus goes on he said, so Jesus calls them all together and says, listen, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And I think this next verse is, part, is something that we need to make sure that like, we write on our hearts and it becomes who we, if you want to be like Jesus, here it is. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, here's the thing that last part right there. You want to be like Jesus? Man, I just want to be like Jesus. I want to do what he did. I want to be, all right, you want to do what Jesus did? Jesus simply came to die. It's the only reason he came. It's the only reason he came, to make us stand in right right relationship with the Father. It's the only reason that he came to earth. Outside of, that was his purpose. That was his goal. That was his mission. It says it right here. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. If you truly say that you want to be more like Jesus and that once you become a Christian, you're supposed to look more like him. Okay, he made his life about everybody around him except himself. See, we have taken the gospel so many times and made it so me-centric, made it so self-centered that we have neglected that the gospel is truly about other people. The gospel is truly about loving other people in a way, showing other people goodness and kindness and mercy in such a way that they see a reflection of who Jesus is inside of me. All right, now I'm starting to look more like Jesus. I got a reflection thing going on here um, so that other people can see him in me and they want to come to know the Father. Not just his mercy, but know who God is. Sometimes we stop short. We stop at the mercy part. In other words, we stop at him as Savior. Right, We don't get to that hope like, yeah, his mercy, but his mercy, the, the mercy is supposed to lead us to God. Sometimes we stop short of God, which means that we make him Lord, which means that he's ruler over our lives, which means that we really embody this that the gospel is not about me and how comfortable I can be and the things that I can get and the things that I can achieve in life, but it's really about, man, how many people have I told about Jesus? Because if I truly believe that hell is real, a couple years ago, we did a series and we started it off with a quote from, from Penn, from Penn and Teller, who is a devout atheist. And he says this, I have zero respect for Christians who do not share their faith. I have the utmost respect for Christians who do, because if you really believe that hell is real and I am hell headed there and I'm going to end in destruction and you believe you have the truth to save me from it why in the world wouldn't you tell me and tell everyone around you about it Woo! cuss a little deep but as you look around you have family members that are headed to hell you have friends that are headed to hell. You have coworkers that are headed to hell. You have people in your school that are headed to hell. And, and, and you may be the only Jesus that they ever get to see. You sharing your faith with them and sharing the gospel with them may be the only gospel that they ever get to hear. That's a, that's a high responsibility, that's a high price tag. But it is the cost of trying to be more like Jesus. Who around you do you know does not have a relationship with Jesus? Because if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, they're on their way to hell. I'm I'm, I'm being honest. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Our calling is to be Hosea running and saying, Jesus, here's another one. Jesus, pay the price for this person. Let me introduce you to this guy named Jesus. Let me, let me tell you about what he did in me because evangelism is not about telling other people what they're doing wrong. It's about telling them what Jesus has done for you and about sharing what Jesus has done in your life and what Jesus can do for them. That is evangelism. If you aren't quite sure how to share your faith, I was talking with Andy Brown uh, after first service and in between services, um, and he does a great job of teaching on evangelism and, and teaching about how to share your faith, and so we're going to be starting that up again in a couple of weeks. Um, but, but if you're not sure how to share your faith, join that class. If you're not sure how to, how to, how to, how to share your, your story with other people, like, it, it's not going to be easy to start. It's going to be a little tough. It's going to be a little difficult because you're going to feel a little uncomfortable. Like, you are. But the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it. And the more, like, you find ways to just share your faith with other people. You, you find ways to just share, their, share your love with, with them. Like, share Jesus' love with them. And so, that's our calling. So there's these three things that are so important that we find in the story of Hosea. One, maybe you've never started a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe you are at a point where you say, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. You don't know. You you don't know. There's no way God could love somebody like me. He absolutely could. Because he looked and he told Hosea as a picture of his love to go and marry somebody that by all rights should have been put to death for the lifestyle they were living according to that time. By all rights was going to leave him again and was going to walk away. And yet, God said, I love you, I want a relationship with you, and this is the person I'm going to pick to show a picture of what my love really looks like. I don't care what you've done, I don't care what you've thought, I don't care what you've felt. Jesus wants a relationship with you. He wants to save you from hell, and he wants to become Lord of your life, bringing hope and healing along with him bringing love and mercy, pouring his anointing oil over you so that you can no longer be there anymore. He can restore you and he can heal.